Thanks for checking out the Helix Experience podcast today. We have a Q&A style podcast. So we have Q&A, we have mostly uneducated opinions, and then we have Tim teaching episodes. Today we're on the Q&A, so I've got three questions for you. So I've got the first one is unnamed. I haven't put this guy's name on here because we've spoke about him a few times and he tends to get a little bit butt hurt. But the question was, Tim, I want to build a lot of muscle and lose fat rather than just training for the sake of it. The old training for the sake of it. The sacrilegious saying that every fucking coach hates. So, Mr. Unnamed, valid goal, and I'm not trying to poo-poo that at all. There's There's more to training than just building muscle and losing fat. I guess that might not help with my marketing course, but in all honesty, when trainers or coaches market, you know, muscle and fat are the easiest things to market because that's what most people want. But it's so much more than that. You know, we're talking about this really big thing called health. Health is this underlying thing that basically keeps your body going and you feeling good. And it's pretty fucking important, especially as you age. Health is that one thing that you wish you spent more time on and you wish you built up when you were younger because it's easier to hold your health when you're older when you do give it a good crack when you're younger. A lot of people just, you know, think fitness is about getting jacked, building muscle, building strength and losing body fat when there's so much more to it. We're talking bone mineral density, visceral fat around the organs, you know, cardiac health in terms of heart health and longevity around those. Those are three massive things which are absolutely key in overall health. So yeah, if you want to look at it like, hey, I'm training for the sake of it or hey, I'm actually doing a lot more than just building muscle, losing fat. There's just ways to think of it. But I will answer your actual question here rather than just having a little rant. So the problem with the older demographic or as older you get at the moment is they are pretty weak because they haven't built a requisite level of strength. If you look at anyone in like the all the parents category at the moment moving into grandparents is 50 60 70 80 there was really no such thing as gyms there was really no emphasis on strength training therefore like they're struggling as they get a little bit older now and i think our generation or my generation i'm in my early 30s at the moment a lot of a lot more of us do a lot more physical activity therefore the same issues that they have in the aging demographics are going to be a little bit less for us so i will get into the actual crux of this now but the key to building muscle three things protein recovery and the the correct stimulus in terms of protein 1.8 to 2.2 grams of protein per kg of body weight if you weigh 100 kilos 220 real simple rest to build muscle you need to be sleeping seven to nine hours that means setting the timer if you go to bed at 10 and actually asleep at 10 that means you need to be at earliest getting up at five okay and if that's not working for you you probably don't have the adequate rest to build the muscle that you want. The last thing is stimulus. So each muscle group in your body that you'd like to build needs a minimum of eight to 12 sets per week, eight to 12 sets. Each set contains, you know, roughly four to 12 reps, depending on what kind of, you know, methodology of strength training you subscribe to. And that's in terms of stimulus. Then we need to be doing sets of a minimum of 20 to 60 seconds. So you need to be having time under tension for that 20 to 60 seconds throughout the set for it to count in that 8 to 12, 8 to 12 sets per muscle group. So if we're doing bench press, we're hitting chest, 
we're hitting triceps, we're hitting a little bit of anterior delt of the front shoulder. So that's going to be ticking off those three muscle groups. And then let's say we do three exercises on the front or push exercises, we're going to be ticking that off. That's why the push-pull legs training split is really good because you just hit bulk or you hit a, a bunch of muscles and that just ticks them off for you. Next, we'll talk about the keys of, of losing fat. And I know everyone says this, but if you're not losing fat, you're not in the calorie deficit. And it's that simple. If you're losing fat, there's going to be a little bit of muscle loss with that just because you are in a catabolic state as well. So let's say every kilo of fat you lose, there's going to be somewhere in the vicinity to 20, 40% muscle on that as well. So the whole key is you need to build muscle, lots of it, to actually look good when you diet, especially as a male, because when you diet, lose all your muscle, you just end up looking like a twig, which no one wants. So calorie deficit is key. 10 to 20% is a nice sustainable number. Some people don't think they are getting gains fast enough at that rate, which ends up being a problem. And when they think they're not losing or getting gains or making progress at a fast enough rate, they tend to do crazy things or lose their shit. So the question here is, can you lose fat and gain muscle at the same time? The short answer is yes, although it's quite hard to do. I would consider doing one or the other. And how you know is you want to get between 8 to 12% body fat. So if you're within that range, work on building muscle. If you're outside of that range on the high end, work on losing fat to that point. It's because that percentage makes you most anabolic. So your body is most anabolic at that point. It's just a guide to get there first. So for someone that wants to build muscle and lose fat, they're my guidelines for it. Get out of the attitude of I'm just training for the sake of it because it's way more than that. It's not just training for the sake of it. All right, moving on. Next question, we got John W622. Hello, Jacked Lord. I like that. I've been looking into adding in some recovery modalities. I've been considering physio, chiro, and stretch therapist. What do you think will be best for me? That is a loaded question, and I know nothing about you, so it's very hard to give you a succinct answer that is going to benefit you, but I'll give that a shot. So for me, physio is more acute. So acute means something short-term. So if I've got a, a pec tear like I had, go to the physio, get a, a diagnosis, quote-unquote diagnosis, get some treatment for it, gets better, done. Don't need physio again. Cairo is kind of like this like maintenance-y physio thing. I'm not sure. Yeah, Cairo is a little confusing. Obviously, like I've heard stories of Cairo, people seeing Cairo's four times a week for like years and, and not getting any better. That that feels like a, a business move. But I don't think that Cairo, you know, once a month is a bad thing. I just think there are limited benefits from it. So you will like limited benefits from it as a regular thing. You do naturally have to keep it up to maintain the benefits of it you can't just go and get cracked and get an adjustment and then it holds it it's one of those things where you just end up you know it goes back to normal after some time and then lastly stretching so stretch therapy is maintenance i've been seeing one recently i think it's a good thing especially with some hard to reach places so like a a stretch you know, you could do every fortnight or every month or every week, depending if you wanted to. And, you know, to give this some context, I want to go through value for money on it. So Cairo is about 
60 bucks for 10 to 15 minutes. Stretch is about 100 bucks for an hour and 15. Physio is somewhere, it's about 85 for 30 minutes. So if we work it out for a 15 minute like basis points, so we'll go 15 minutes, Cairo is 60 bucks, physio is 42.50, and stretch therapist is 15 minutes, about $15. So stretch therapist is the best value for money depending on where you're going. So if you're going to do an hour of any, you probably couldn't do an hour of Cairo. You probably could do an hour of physio, but stretch is definitely going to be it if it's like maintenance and value for money. If it's something acute, I would look to physio or Cairo, but if it's something long-term in terms of adding in a recovery modality, that's not just like sleeping or going for a walk or you know stretching at home, I think that's really good. For me, so I've used all of them. I like chiro, I like physio, I like stretch therapies, I like massage. The problem with massage for me is I end up getting sore. It ends up being like a workout. So if I'll go for like a massage on a Tuesday, I'll end up like being more sore because the massage like is also like a muscle damage thing happens for me. Other than that, I do like a stretch because obviously you feel incredible after a stretch. And being stretched is great because it's very passive, which means you don't have to do much. So you can just lie there, get stretched, it's epic. And then you feel good after and your performance is incredible. It sounds like I'm very stretch <laughs> stretch dominant here, but that's probably what I would recommend for a lot of people is looking into a stretch therapist if that's something that's within your budget. Monthly, weekly, fortnightly, six weekly, something like that is great. And that's just after you know me testing all of these modalities for the last five years. Moving on to question three from Bryce F. Hey, bro, what are the best peptides for injuries? I've gone and hurt myself again. Well, Bryce, shouldn't have gone and helped yourself, hurt yourself. I am one for a peptide. I do love them. I think they work great. Um, I have used a lot of them. I've came back from a severe wrist injury very quickly in six to six weeks to six to eight weeks. Massive yawn. So yeah, I came back from injury six to eight weeks. I took three peptides, TB500, BPC157, and CJC. CJC is not like a recovery style peptide. It's more a getting jacked style peptide. I got them from BioVate Labs, so B-I-O-V-8 Labs. That was in Melbourne. You need a doctor's prescription, quote unquote, which basically means you get on a call with a doctor and they're like, yep, you're good and then they explain the risks for you. But if I were going to pick one, it would be TB500. I felt I had the most benefit from that. And then BPC-157. Peptides are like a, you know, if you've got supplements on one side and, and anabolic steroids on the other side, they're somewhere in the middle of those two. Not quite a supplement, not quite a steroid. It is more a, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. But they are naturally formed properties within the body and essentially this is just ramping up your ability to produce said compounds in the body that aid with healing which is incredible for healing injuries it's just going to speed up your time for recovery in 
like actually depends what your budget is for these types of things but tb500 bpc 157 and cjc if you cashed up to the tits then all three if you're not tb500 is the go that is my honest opinion on that if you've got a question for me guys go to my website www.helixsp.com go to media and then the podcast tab drop a question in there and i will look to answer them on the next q a show thanks for listening